0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Vivos. This is something we recently invested in for our entire family, and we are absolutely loving it, and here's why. So data shows that the nutrition we receive in utero determines our palate development and how narrow or open our airway and jaw structure are. So a narrow mouth, jaw, and airway increase the chances of needing braces, of getting sleep apnea, breathing difficulties, and much more. But it was pretty much assumed that your jaw structure was set in stone once you were born or for sure after the first couple of years of life. But Vivos has found that not only is this not true, but they've created a non-invasive, non-surgical, easy way of widening the maxilla, the jaw, and the airway. So for our kids, this means that they get to avoid the braces that my husband and I both had. And for my husband, this means that his sleep apnea has disappeared and he stopped snoring, which is a bonus for me. I'll be writing more about these soon, but you can check them out in the meantime at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash vivos, V-I-V-O-S, wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash vivos. This podcast is brought to you by HomeBiotic. We all know about our microbiome. And most of us know about our oral microbiome and even our skin microbiome, but it's easy to forget that we live in a microbial environment as well, and that our home environment influences our health too. The overuse of disinfectants and harsh cleansers has led to an overgrowth of less than optimal bacteria in many homes. Things like mold, pets, and the normal bacteria that comes with a house full of kids running in and outside all day can cause odors and bacterial imbalance in our homes. Those of us with little kids have children sitting on the floor of our homes and interacting with that bacteria on a daily basis. So my solution to this has been HomeBiotic. This is a natural probiotic spray for the home that neutralizes odors, germs, and even mold. You can check it out at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash home dash biotic. That's home B-I-O-T-I-C. Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com, and you are really gonna love this interview today because I am here with Dr. Mindy Pels, who has built one of the largest natural family wellness clinics in the San Francisco Bay Area. She is the author of two best-selling books, and she has lectured about nutrition to more than a hundred Silicon Valley corporations. Her approach is to look at all aspects of a person's health, using everything from functional nutrition testing, to gut repair, to heavy metal testing, ketogenic dieting, fasting, supplement cycling, corrective chiropractic care, and even mindfulness to help reset health from the ground up. And her unique approach has led her to work with, uh, like I said, multiple Silicon Valley corporations, including top CEOs. She's worked with Olympic athletes, professional athletes, academy award-winning actors, professional musicians, and most importantly, in her mind. And I agree, everyday families like you and me, and I can't wait to jump into this conversation. So Dr. Mindy, thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Well, and I'm excited because we're going to jump into uh, an area I know that is a topic of expertise for you and that I think is so important for moms in general, which is about generational health and generational toxicants. And it's an area that not a lot of people, I feel like, actually fully understand. Um, my audience is a little bit familiar with the idea that the microbiome being passed on, for instance, from a mother to a baby in utero and especially during birth. But from your research, it seems like there's a lot more to it than this. So um, can you start from the ground up and just explain that concept?
1: Yeah, and I I agree, not enough people are talking about it. So um, I really uh, am grateful for the opportunity to educate people because I think if people can see the picture, the big picture, it helps put in all the other pieces we're trying to do for our kids in a more systematic way. And um, yeah, there are basically, the way that I explain it is that there are two things that get passed down through the generation, uh, through generations. Your microbiome gets passed down from your mom. And your toxic load gets passed down. And in many cases, it's getting passed down through four generations. So, for example, things like lead. Lead lead can get passed down through four different generations. And it's showing up in this generation causing this particular person a problem. But they don't realize that it came from a situation that happened with mom or with grandma. So the, the way I like to explain it to my patients is think of what your health like a bucket, like you're born with a certain size bucket. That's your genetic makeup. And within that bucket is a certain toxic load. And so you, like, for example, Katie, let's say you were born with a bucket that was really big and you could handle a lot of toxins and you're, you were born with a very small toxic load. So you can go and eat a bunch of junky food or get exposed to a bunch of different chemicals and you won't necessarily exhibit any symptoms. But then I'm born with a very small bucket and with a very high toxic load. And I go and eat a piece of wheat and all of a sudden now I'm like totally flared up and have an autoimmune condition. And what what people aren't necessarily tapping into is that We come in with a certain load. We come in with a certain ability to handle these toxins. And there are a lot of strategies we can apply to help empty our bucket, to improve our ability to detoxify so we don't exhibit these symptoms.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think, like you said, it's such an important topic to raise awareness of. And I know um, this is very much where your heart is and mine as well. And I want to say it before we go any further, too. Um, we're talking about a lot of things that will affect, you know, child health, especially like in utero and then throughout their childhood. And I know as a mom, having learned a lot about health after I had my first couple children, um, I know that that can bring a lot of guilt. So I know both of us come from this place and I just want to say it, but none of this is meant to bring mom guilt. The great news is all of it can be improved and there are things you can do no matter what and how your baby was born or what that scenario was or what the bucket looked like. And I know you echo that. I just wanted to make sure that every mom there feels loved and heard and not that any of this comes from a place of guilt or judgment, ever.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I totally, absolutely agree with you because it's just information that we can now be aware of. And you know, I have two teenage kids, and uh, I, you know, I look at them and I go, okay, what can I do now to help detoxify some of these these toxins that have be- been passed down? Because none of this is our fault, but. Now that we, you know, it's that if you know better, you can, you can do something about it. And so I'm looking at my kids going, how do I help them make sure that they don't pass it down? And it's, it's a, to me, a really refreshing approach, but yeah, absolutely. No mom guilt. hundred percent agree.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So to that note, then let's go a little deeper. And can you walk us through some of the most common things that you're seeing um, in your practice and that are being like passed on generationally um, and, and kind of what your approach is when you start evaluating those things?
1: Okay. So there's there's two generational things to look at. One is heavy metals. Um, I think that's the biggest. And then one is the microbiome. And those those really require two different conversations. So let's, let's start with heavy metals. Um, and let me kind of, I think the best way to understand this is how I discovered heavy metals, which was uh, I'm 48 right now. Um, when I cho- when I turned fo- uh, 40, I decided I wanted to be like in the best shape of my life. And so I ate really well. I was exercising, I was getting chiropractic and about 43 years old, I started getting really bad anxiety and depression And uh, I wasn't sleeping well, which was very unusual for me. I started getting hot flashes and I was like, what, how can this be? I mean, I'm eating, I'm doing everything that everybody said you should do. And so um, that's when I discovered lead toxicity and how lead gets passed down through, through the years. I know um, Katie, you're going to talk to Dr. Pompa, or you already did. He's got some really cool stuff on detoxing lead. And I started to look at that and 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 re- tested myself and realized that my lead was really high. And once I started to detoxify it, then all of a sudden my symptoms started to improve. But what I realized as I was understanding lead more is when I went back, I looked at in my, when, after I had my second child, I had a thyroid problem and that's where lead can show up. And when I was a kid, I realized I had a reading, I had reading comprehensive, uh, comprehension issues, and that's where lead shows up. So a good starting point is really understanding what your toxic load is. Where where are you at? And and we do a um, a urine challenge in our office, a, a provoked urine challenge. I think that's one of the best ways to test uh, heavy metals. I, I think. Have you had your heavy metals tested, Katie? I have. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's important everybody gets some version of a test so that they start with understanding where their heavy metals are at. Um, so that then they, you know, if you understand as a mom where your metals are at, you can turn around and start to uh, understand maybe what your kids are exhibiting. So for me, it was lead. That's what we're seeing. We've run hundreds of these tests in my office and we see lead is everybody's had lead. Everybody has had varying degrees of lead. Um, We also see a lot of mercury and that's coming from all different kinds of sources, your mouth, fish, flu shots. I mean, mercury is kind of everywhere. So I I think a really good starting point is understanding what your personal load is. And and there's a lot of great ways to test it, but that's what I encourage moms to do when they come in to us is to start there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I know when I tested... um... I actually tested on the lower end for like lead and for mercury because I was I was at a good age where I like didn't get very many vaccines yet because there weren't that many when I was a kid. But I never had any um, fillings or anything growing up, so I didn't have any mercury in my mouth. So I like dodged those bullets. But I had um, cadmium and antimony. Were the ones that showed up for me, which I thought was interesting, and I was kind of unexpected. And so it's interesting. I think it's like anything; it's great to have data and to know, um, because even like the day I was diagnosed officially, finally with Hashimoto's, it was a great day in a sense because then I finally could take action. Like once you, even even though these may not be great things to hear, once you know, you can move forward. So, uh, I think you're right; it's helpful to know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I see, especially with women, is that they stumble into their medical doctor's office. And they get a diagnosis like Hashimoto's and then they're told the solution is medication. Or I get a lot of women that come in that are told, you know, well, what if this is the best you're ever going to be? Like, this is the healthiest you're ever going to be. And I think that is just not an acceptable uh, prognosis. I think that there are so many things you can do. And when you understand things like heavy metals and you go, oh, this could be affecting my health. This could be maybe having an impact on my children's health awesome. Now I know. Now let's create a solution for fixing that. And it, and it's empowering personally, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also is a perfect segue into another thing I want to make sure we define, which is epigenetics, because I think that's an important concept here and one that gives a lot of hope and uh, you know optimism for the future when you understand that genes aren't necessarily set in stone. So walk us through what epigenetics are and how they relate.
1: Yeah, so epigenetics are the turning on of genes in your body. So, I think really there's two great studies that really express what epigenetics are. And one was the Agouti mouse study. Have you you've you've are you familiar with that one, Katie?
0: Yeah, but please like walk us through it.
1: Yeah, okay. Cool. So, uh they did a study where they took two two mice that had an obesity gene. And they exposed one uh they fed them the same amount of food they put them, gave them the same amount of exercise and they fed one mouse, uh, BPA plastic is what they exposed them to. And that mouse, that BPA plastic turned on the obesity gene and the mouse started to hold on to weight and its hair started to turn a yellow color. And, um, before you knew it, it was an obese mouse. And then when they took that mouse and they, um, had that mouse, uh, uh, reproduce, they noticed that their offspring was the same thing, that they were actually coming, the offspring would be obese, even though that offspring wasn't exposed to B, uh, the BPA plastic. So the gene had been turned on. They did the same study with uh, out of Washington State University with DDT they took a mouse and they found, they exposed it with the obesity gene, exposed it to uh, DDT, and they found that for four generations, that, that, that mouse, the obesity gene was turned on and uh, more obese mice were constantly being born because the gene had been turned on. So the moral of the story or the understanding that we can have from that is like, oh, we made might have turned our our genes may have been turned on generations before so but there's some really cool things that we can do to start to turn those genes off detoxing is is one of them but we have so much more control over our genetics than we originally thought and those two studies to me are landmark they really show us that we can sit today in a in a health crisis that is really frustrating that may have been a product of a generation before. And when you understand how to turn those genes off, it becomes so, uh, it just becomes empowering. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that there's a fun um, line that I've heard from one of the smartest people I've ever met, Naval Ravikant, and he said- Ah, yes. um, Yeah, he said if, you know, his best health advice would be to choose your grandparents wisely. Um, But since we can't do that, obviously, like we have to be proactive. And I think that's um, that's why I love talking about topics like this because- I feel and the reason I blog and the reason that this is such a passion for me is because of our environment in today's world, unlike our great grandparents and before that, like we don't have the luxury of just getting to like exist and interact with our world without being cognizant of these things. And that's not a bad thing, but we do need to be proactive, especially when we're talking about our kids. And I think like understanding how like we understand, like if we need to eat healthy when we're pregnant, so we pass nutrients on to our babies. But understanding the deeper level of that—that that we truly are actually passing on, like a genetic heritage—that that helps us to further um, just be cognizant and responsible of the choices we're making. Because you can still make great choices, even in today's world, even with all the things we're facing. And I think that's like what you're so good about talking about, and something I like to speak about as well. Um, let's go a little deeper on microbiome too, because you mentioned like the heavy metals and that kind of stuff. And we know there's some great research I've seen recently on the many ways the microbiomes passed on uh, generationally as well. But let's speak to that a little.
1: Okay. Yeah. And let me me just make one more comment about what you said. I think it's really important that parents understand that our kids are growing up in a totally different world than we grew up in. And it's a toxic one. So we might not have had detox strategies when we were younger. It might have not been on our parents' radar, but that's because we didn't have as many chemicals in our environment as we have now. So it's really, it's really important that as parents, we think about the detox aspect of this that I just wanted to excite what you said was brilliant. So yeah, the microbiome, here's the thing about the microbiome is that we inherit our microbiome from our mother. So, uh, I'm sure you've talked about this, but when we come through the vaginal canal, we are meant to have the vaginal juices go in through our nose, uh, the baby's nose, and go into the gut and to fertilize the gut. So that's the natural birth process. And then once we come out, we're meant to when we're when a child a baby's being breastfed, the mom is actually passing her, her microbiome onto that baby. S- touch, Skin touch, so touching uh, the mom's skin, all of that is, is a grooming process for the microbiome. And it takes about three years. It's the first three years that are the most crucial for the microbiome. So let's look at what's happening right now. Uh, C-section rates are really, really high. So if you've had, you know, if you're if you're born by C-section, you missed out on that. I think, I hope breastfeeding movement is still really popular um, because it's such a great way to pass that microbiome off. If you have any young moms that are listening, like skin touch is so important, skin to skin touch that you'll get from your from your mother and even from your father. There the we are more bacterial cells than we are human cells. And so if you have a healthy microbiome, you you have this opportunity to really pass that on to your children. And instead, what's happening a lot is that, again, C-sections, but then we've got all the antibiotics. So we've got the oral antibiotics. We've got the antibiotics in all the foods. We've got antibiotics everywhere. and And that is literally destroying the microbiome. And when you put You know this. I I love. There's a great book. If you haven't, and you should. If you haven't um, had this guy on your podcast, he wrote "Missing Microbes." Have you read that book?
0: I haven't yet, but I'm writing it on my list right now.
1: Okay, Dr. Martin Blazer, and he calls it the generational handoff. That because our we have lived in such a antibiotic obsessed world, and that's everything from c-sections to hand sanitizers to uh antibiotics in our food that each generation is getting a little weaker uh handoff of a diverse microbiome and so you're getting a little bit weaker and a little bit weaker and you mix that with toxins and now we look at our children and we go okay well that makes sense why we've got learning disabilities and we've got um you know asthma and we've got chronic diseases and one thing I'm really passionate about cuz I have teenagers is how much anxiety that that teens are experiencing and we and there is a piece of all of this that can be helped once we go to repair the microbiome and we work on some detoxing. But I I love that idea that it's like this It's a handoff, it's like a cool little gift you get to give your kids um, if you're aware of it.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I mean, back to the, just to again speak to the issue of mom guilt, that was one of those things for me because I um, was never the mom who thought I would have a C-section because I had had two babies naturally and was perfectly fine and then had placenta previa that they didn't catch. So got thrown into an emergency C-section and almost died and my son, of course, didn't get the benefit of a vaginal birth and was in the NICU and on uh, steroids and antibiotics and all these things. Um, and he actually did experience, he had eczema and he had some developmental delays early on. And even with him, we were able to move past all of that. So that's always my encouragement to moms is like, it, no matter what stage you're at, you can always do something and definitely don't beat yourself up. Um, but I love that you said that about the, the handoff, because if you are pregnant, you still can prepare for that, even if it's not something, and I would have done that in hindsight. And now as a doula, like I don't do it often because I'm so, I have so many kids myself, but I, it's one of my greatest honors is to get to be present and help other their women when they're giving birth. And um, that's one thing we always do if there's going to be a hospital birth is to pre-prepare like blankets that are kind of accustomed to the home microbiome environment. And there's things you can do. Um, I did a podcast with a group called Microbirth and about basically culturing some sterile gauze with the mom's microbiota. And then as soon as the baby's born, usually the mom's still in the C-section, you hand off the baby to dad and then dad has this in his pocket and just wipes the baby's mouth and hands and face. And so that's the first exposure. But even for a vaginal birth in the hospital, you can still bring blankets from home, like the hospital blankets and have them already like mom slept with them. They're like the natural bacteria of their home versus the hospital. And just make sure baby's like as much as possible coming in contact with like the friendly family bacteria that they're going to need to interact with their home environment when they get home versus the hospital one. So I love that you brought that up too. And that's just one of my like little things I love to share because I think it's something easy to do. And even if you're not planning a C-section, you can still just be prepared.
1: And, you know, I actually think building a good microbiome is not that hard. You just have to be aware of it. So just like you said, that's incredible. I'd never heard of that in a birth like that. That level of detail is incredible. But like it it doesn't it can be as simple as once you hear this, you go, oh, okay. well, I need to think about my child's microbiome. So what can I do? You could start feeding your kids fermented foods. You can start making your own yogurts. You can look at like we have a, a, a skin colonizer lotion that we have people put on their skin. You can I don't know if you're familiar with the Restore product, but we we have a lot of people use Restore nasal spray. Um, it's an it's a, a bacterial nasal spray. We have people change their toothpaste so that they can work on the families can start to work on the microbiome of their mouth. So it it can actually be quite fun. And you can look at it and go, oh, OK, my my child missed out on that. No, like you said, I totally agree. No mom guilt. But now I can actually start to rebuild this this microbiome um, and I can do it in some really fun ways. So w- fermented foods is, is, a, is a fabulous way to get good bacteria in there. Uh prebiotic foods like uh chia seeds and hemp seeds throw those in a smoothie and they feed the good bacteria uh polyphenol foods like uh, brussels sprouts and cloves and nuts, raw nuts and olives you know it's really not that hard, you just need to be aware of it,
0: yeah, absolutely in fact, I even Recently, we've used a product called Homebiotic, which is actually like you spray it in your home and it like allows your home environment to culture. It's supposed to actually help with dust bunnies and a lot of stuff. Um, And as well as my skincare, it's a product that um, I use that has probiotics in it. So you're like culturing your your skin as well. And I love that. I think it's just like you said, just being cognizant of those things so we can do little things in daily life to, uh, to address them.
1: Yeah. You know, I even read a study this morning that in PubMed that showed that families all share a microbiome. So I so I have this kind of new idea that I think would be really fun is if you do it as a family, like, okay, everybody's like, you know, doing all these extra steps to uh, repair their microbiome and they're synergistically helping each other. I even heard and in the study was that you they've measured your dog's microbiome and they find that your dog's microbiome is very similar to your microbiome that we're all in. We're living in a household. We're all sharing a microbiome, which is super cool um, and can be I, I don't know. I kind of have I have teenagers, so. You know, I don't know if they'll think it's super cool, but I'm thinking, oh, we're going to do like a family activity around repairing our microbiomes and improving our, our bacteria from all different angles.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. And realizing because of that, like there's got to be an environmental connection there as well. Like you're obviously microbiotically interacting with your environment. So things like just trying not to overuse harsh cleansers and the disinfectants and antibacterial stuff unless they're truly needed. I think that's, um, there's been some research that came out about that recently, like all these antibacterial soaps and face washes and body washes and all this, they actually have unintended consequences down the road because we're meant to interact with bacteria. And that's an easy step, just switch your soap. So those little things aren't hard to do.
1: And you know, your skin microbiome communicates with your gut microbiome. And so when you're putting the antibacterial soaps on your hands, like you're, it's not just having an effect on your skin. It's, it's also affecting your gut. So all of those ecosystems, they believe every organ has a microbiome and that they're all a little bit different, but that they all communicate with each other, which is, it's just fascinating. Yeah.
0: So cool. And back to birth for a second, that's the reason I've always um, refused the antibiotic eye drops with with my babies too, is because you're putting antibiotics on their face, but they're rubbing their face and they're putting their hand in their mouth and it's getting in their gut too. So just another little easy switch to make. Um, I want to go a little deeper on the detoxing thing though, because I think that you're so right. Like we need to support our bodies, and then there are times when we actually need to like act proactively do things to detoxify. Um, and I know that every time I mention this, I get about a million questions from people of like, what about kids? What about pregnancy? What about nursing? What about this? So let's do that. How do you do it with kids in a family?
1: Okay. So let's start with, yeah, here's something that I think is really important that everybody understand is that the blood brain barrier, which is the protective layer of the brain, doesn't fully form until your child's seven. So every uh, toxin that they're exposed to prior to seven is probably the most harmful. It's also a really cool time to start to detox them if you're aware of it. So, um, there, you know, let's start with food. Cause I like to try to give food solutions first. And then I'll, um, explain to you what we're doing in our office with our, our, the families that come in great foods that are high in glutathione are cruciferous foods like the Brussels sprouts and the cauliflower and the broccoli. So how do you get those into your kids as much as possible? Um, cilantro, even though it's, it's kind of a weak detoxifier has been known to hook onto heavy metals. So, you know, that's an option. So looking at introducing detoxifying foods is really important. Now, the second thing is that when you go to, to detoxify kids, I'm a big fan of low and slow. Like it's not, this is not like an adult detox. This should be something that is easy and effortless to do. So we have a, a kid's detox that we use, and it involves not only supporting and nourishing the brain, but it has binders in it that will actually, uh, natural binders that will hook onto these toxins and get them out of children, one of which is is Cytodetox. Are you familiar with Cytodetox?
0: Yeah, I am. It's one we use in our house, too.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so we put together um, three supplements. We put together Cytodetox and uh, a brain supplement for kids. It's called Brainy Play. It's put out by systemic formulas. And then um, we use Mors, which is a uh, liquid Mors, which is a supplement that um, helps to turn off any genes that might have been turned on. And that, and they're all liquid. So they're easy. Like you could put them in a, you know, Cytos is really easy. You just put it under the tongue. But the other two you could put in a smoothie and your child wouldn't even notice it. So I think those are gentle detoxifiers As people get older, we definitely do a more thorough detoxing. Um, I know you're familiar with true cellular detox.
0: Yeah, I am going through it in February, actually. Yep.
1: Oh, awesome. You're going to go through with the, the group. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had, we've put, again, hundreds of people through the true cellular detox protocol. And, uh, it's life changing and it really more for, uh, you know, people, in my opinion, it's for people that are like 20 and older. And we, what we've seen everything from weight loss resistance, um, go away to the number one thing that I see is people who have trouble sleeping, uh, start to sleep again, uh, depression, anxiety improve. Uh, It's, it is hands down the best uh, way to detox heavy metals that I have seen in the 20 years I've been doing this. Um, And the way that they have it set up is really well done because the first month you're just preparing your organs, you're getting nutrients to the liver and to the gut and to the cell. So I'll be curious your experience, Katie, but that first month, most people just feel amazing and they feel good. And then the second month is the body phase. And then you really start to work on, um, pulling, you know, the, the mercury, the lead, the, all the heavy metals out of your gut and out of your liver. And then the third month is the brain. And, um, it's magical. It's really, really magical. And it's really appropriate for more adults. And I love the one we're using for kids. We haven't had any adverse reactions um, it's, again, a low and slow kind of game. And I have people get on it for a month and then get off of it for a couple of months and then get back on it. And, and moms are really finding it easy to implement.
0: That's awesome. And it's good to know that there's an approach for kids. This podcast is brought to you by Vivos. This is something we recently invested in for our entire family, and we are absolutely loving it. And here's why. So data shows that the nutrition we receive in utero determines our palate development and how narrow or open our airway and jaw structure are. So a narrow mouth, jaw, and airway increase the chances of needing braces, of getting sleep apnea, breathing difficulties, and much more. But it was pretty much assumed that your jaw structure was set in stone once you were born or for sure after the first couple of years of life. But Vivos has found that not only is this not true, but they've created a non-invasive, non-surgical easy way of widening the maxilla the jaw and the airway so for our kids this means that they get to avoid the braces that my husband and i both had and for my husband this means that his sleep apnea has disappeared and he stopped snoring which is a bonus for me i'll be writing more about these soon but you can check them out in the meantime at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash vivos v-i-v-o-s wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash vivos this podcast is brought to you by home biotic we all know about our microbiome and most of us know about our oral microbiome and even our skin microbiome but it's easy to forget that we live in a microbial environment as well and that our home environment influences our health too the overuse of disinfectants and harsh cleansers has led to an overgrowth of less than optimal bacteria in many homes Things like mold, pets, and the normal bacteria that comes with a house full of kids running in and outside all day can cause odors and bacterial imbalance in our homes. Those of us with little kids have children sitting on the floor of our homes and interacting with that bacteria on a daily basis. So my solution to this has been HomeBiotic. This is a natural probiotic spray for the home that neutralizes odors, germs, and even mold. You can check it out at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash home-biotic. That's home-b-i-o-t-i-c. Like how could parents know they, I'm sure that there's testing you must be able to do on um, both bacterial diversity and generational toxins, but how can parents know that that might be something that would help their child and are there symptoms as well that kind of are a good hint?
1: Yeah. So the two, the testing in general, I recommend moms get tested, test your heavy metal load, and you'll, you'll get an idea of what you may have passed down. So that's, that's kind of how we do it in our office. I, I'm a big believer in microbiome testing. And I, have you done Viome? Have you used Viome stuff?
0: Yeah, it's definitely, that one's my top of my list too. I love Viome.
1: Yeah. So Viome's great. We use a one called Gut Zoomer. That's really great. Um, And uh, it, you know, it, a microbiome stool test is really smart to do on your kids and on yourself. It'll give you a really interesting perspective of how diverse their microbiome is. Do they have any pathogens like candida um, or parasites or really bad bacteria that they're dealing with? Um, It'll tell you if they have, like, I love this one, uh, uh, with gut zoomer, it'll tell you if it's got if you're missing the, the right microbiome balance to uh, break down wheat. So for people that are more prone to celiacs, uh, it'll tell you if you have the right microbiome balance to keep your metabolism high. So it's just really a, an awesome picture of your current microbiome. And I think I, I have this dream again, I'm in Silicon Valley and I just have this dream that I'd love to go like house by house by house and get everybody testing their microbiome, because in that they could see so many places that they could improve that would have such a drastic effect on not only their their family's physical health, health, but their mental health as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'll make sure I link to Viome in the show notes if anyone wants to find it. And also, I, I've written a post about it. But for me, I always in the past had kind of written off um, the microbiome testing, just like, I always wanted the blood test or like the more, I felt like those were more like quote unquote clinical. And I was amazed because when I did biome, it matched up with like the latest genetic stuff that they had, like all the latest genetic reports I could run. And it matched up with like all these other factors that I was getting tested. Um, and it's so much easier. And especially on kids, you can test kids with the stool test way easier than you can blood tests and all that. So I love that those are options now.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And again, empowering, right? Were were you excited when you get your biome results? You're like, wow, this is, there's some like, here's where my my work is. Like, this is what I can do to improve it. And it's just, it it fuels you for pulling your whole family forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple more topics I want to jump into because I want to make sure we have time. Um, I know that you also use fasting in your protocols. And the ketogenic diet, and these have been both research topic, um, pet projects of me for me lately. And um, I've been experimenting with fasting. So I'd love for you to kind of give us a primer. Let's start with fasting because uh, I hear from so many people all the time, like, "Oh, I could never fast because I have low blood sugar," or "I don't is not good to go without eating. You should eat three times a day." So I'd love to hear about fasting.
1: Okay, so here's my here's what I tell my families that there are four different types of fasting. There is intermittent fasting where you go thirteen to fifteen hours without food and you're doing that every day. The second uh, type of fasting is what I call dinner to dinner fast, where you're going twenty four hours without food. So you would have dinner on Monday night and then you don't have uh, you won't eat all day the next day and then you have dinner on Tuesday night, something like that. Then there's really interesting research out right now on fast mimicking diet. Uh, Walter Longo, if you haven't interviewed him, Katie, he's another, uh, really interesting scientist right now. That's giving us some interesting, uh, some really insightful information on fasting. So you want to check him out. Then there's a water fast. There's a uh, four to five day water fast and they, and they all have different benefits. So intermittent fasting will, um, improve your growth hormone growth hormone it will help you burn fat it slows the aging process it will give you energy it will build muscle like we all want growth hormone and you stop getting growth hormone after the age of 30 so really important that um that you that you implement in my opinion bare minimum you should be implementing some type of intermittent fasting Dinner to dinner fasting, what I love about that is that um, if I've, I don't know if you've interviewed Jason Fung, but uh, Dr. Jason Fung has really talked about insulin resistance and how these longer fasts, a little bit longer than an intermittent fast will will help your cells repair so that you uh, you can actually kick yourself out of insulin resistance. So he's got some great books out. He's got a great podcast that you can learn more about that. Fast mimicking and block fasting are incredibly encouraging for things like cancer prevention. Um, What we're seeing with those types of fasting is that you get an an incredible surge of stem cells. And stem cells are cells that can go to any part of your body and they can repair. So uh, Walter Longo's original studies were done on uh, chemo, patients that were going through chemo, and that had cancer, and one of the, the challenges we have about chemo is it destroys the whole immune system. And so even after somebody's had chemo, they come out of that, and now, now their immune system's just wiped, so if any new cancer cells reappear, they don't have an immune system that can, can fight it. So what Walter Longo found is that if he put them through a, a four-day fast, blocked fast, while they were going through chemo, that they got this surge of stem cell production, and it actually rebooted the whole immune system. So uh, yeah, my in my community, in my office, uh, we are all implementing all four of those strategies, and I think they all have great merit for our health.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and it's something I've experimented with too uh, ever since delving into Dr. Pompa's work and meeting people like you who Who use it and I so I started off with like a three-day fast last year and then I did um, like a five-day fast and my most recent was a seven-day fast and I truly felt like the best I've ever felt coming off of that just like you're so clear your brain is so clear I was like probably 4x my normal production on things so um it's one of those things like it sounds daunting like why would you ever not eat for seven days but it truly is amazing and the research is astounding like the, the cancer statistics that were coming out of just fasting. Um, but I feel like it's intuitive. If you like entertain the thought for a second, it's what animals do. It's what people do when they're sick, if they are actually allowed to. So um, I love that it's kind of coming to the forefront. Um, and I know people pair that often with a ketogenic diet or versions of a ketogenic diet. And I have a feeling we're going to be in uh, alignment on this as well. But I'd love to hear um, how you use the ketogenic diet and what a ketogenic diet actually looks like in your book.
1: Okay. Yeah. So what I always teach my patients is your body's a miracle. Like you were born in this incredible self-healing, self-repairing, energized body, and it was meant to live to 120. It was not meant to break down at 40. So what things like fasting and the ketogenic diet are doing is they're tapping into your own body's healing mechanism. So for for us and, and, and my community, what we recommend for the ketogenic diet is that you really lower your carbs. And the recommendation I make is keep your carbohydrate load under 50 grams. Um, you up your good fat, not your bad fat. Atkins was more of the bad fat. This is like good fat. Um, you up your good fat above 60%. And then I really encourage people to keep their um, uh, protein limit at about 50 grams a day. So it's it's low carb, moderate protein, high good fat. And a really good way to track it is the car is carb manager. It's an app that you can get on your phone and you just plug in whatever your day was. and you know I always start with telling patients like just plug it in and see what today is. And before they even go on the ketogenic and and people are astounded, people are like amazed at you know how much protein they're eating and how many carbs they're eating. So, so the ketogenic is, is having you change those ratios. And then we, uh, we implement intermittent fasting with that. And the idea behind doing those four strategies is that you take yourself from a sugar burner and you turn yourself into a fat burner. And that's super exciting if you want to lose weight. Um, and, and I, I think it's the greatest way to kick yourself out of any kind of weight loss resistance. It's just profound. And it, it really um, can have a long-term benefit for preventing disease. Um, I don't know if you've interviewed Dr. Ron Rosedale, but he he has a statement that I love, which is that um, every disease known to man was uh, it occurred in a, in a sugar-burning body. So, we have to, in order for us to prevent things like cancer and to prevent disease, it would benefit us all to move over to this fat-burning place because this is where the human body thrives. And that's why when you, when you're like, I love when you said, "Oh, I went on this fast and I had all this energy." That's what we see. It's like you become like an energizer bunny, and you, and your hunger goes away, and your mental clarity is like through the roof. And I just think it's one of the greatest uh, gifts to us right now is applying all these principles that work naturally with the body.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I'm excited for all the research that's coming forward. And um, I mean, I've certainly noticed benefits just in my life already. But it's something that now having seen the research, I'm going to keep implementing um you know, throughout the year, just every occasionally doing fast of different types, just because I know the cancer history of my family on both sides, and I know, I know what we're up against environmentally. So I think it's just an easy tool. Um, and I know we're going to get questions from since most of the listeners are moms, related to can you do fasting while you're nursing a baby, while you're pregnant? Can kids do fasting? Um, so what are the parameters that you typically set for that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super happy you asked me that because I think it's important to talk about um, okay so let's talk about fasting for um, obviously pregnant moms I'd say no you know that's not the time to fast um, and nursing moms um, I definitely wouldn't do long block fasts. Um, I do have a patient uh, who's nursing her 18 month old and she just did uh, dinner to dinner fast and is doing great with that. So the intermittent and the dinner to dinner that in my book is fine for the nursing mom. Kids fasting, I get a lot of questions about that. I think we really want to lead our kids to have a very intuitive sense about health. I don't think it's benefits our children to have, um, to be really rigid about don't eat this, don't eat that. Like we want to educate them. And I would, um, with my kids, I don't, uh, I don't impart my fasting ways on them, but I model it for them. So, My daughter is going to turn 18 next month and, uh, she is now efficient. She is now an intermittent faster and I never told her to do it. Uh, she just saw me doing it. She saw my husband doing it. So now it's just like, Oh, this is how our family does health. This is just the way that it is. So, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage you to, um, suggest that your kids, uh, fast, but I would encourage you to teach them why fasting is really beneficial and that someday they'll want to do it. And as far as the ketogenic diet goes, yeah, I mean, we need to get more good fat into our children. We need to lower the carbohydrate load down. Like all of that is fabulous for our kids. The brain, the brain needs fat. These developing brains, yeah, get all that good fat in them. It, they will thrive with that. But but make it playful, make it light, you know, talk about it. In my In my family, we talk about health all the time. I share what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. I share studies, I share podcasts that I've listened to like i just i wanna i want my kids i wanna show up for my kids in a way where i am modeling for them what a healthy lifestyle looks like, and in that they will follow you,
0: yeah, exactly and I know like so from um a little bit of advice I could offer too is with the keto diet. I think I always want to make the the distinction between that and like Atkins or just low carb because when you because I've used carb manager too and when you are plugging it in, you can eat an insane amount of green vegetables or fermented vegetables and that kind of stuff and still be very low carb. This is not about restricting food necessarily and especially with kids. Um it's just about actually for most people just getting rid of the processed food and increasing good fats like you said. Um so I think that's always a point. This is not a no vegetable diet. In fact, When I'm eating the most in ketosis, it's like 75% of my plate is green vegetables because it keeps you in ketosis. And that's great for binding things and getting them out of your body and like binding to estrogen. So there's so many benefits there. Um, But when it comes to kids, I think you're exactly right. Like I would never, ever, ever withhold food from a child to try to get them to fast. Unless you have like a child with epilepsy and you're in a medical setting, that's a different scenario. But um, what we do at our house is kind of what's worked for us is I look at it that I am responsible for providing nourishment like cooking the food and providing it to my kids and they're responsible for deciding to eat it or not and it doesn't have to be a struggle I'm not going to force them to eat food if they're not hungry and if they don't like something they can choose to skip it so they're kind of they'll they all have like one thing they don't love so they'll inadvertently fast once every few weeks when we eat that Um, and also if you like let kids be kids if they get sick I've noticed my kids pretty much fast on just water when they're sick unless you are forcing something down their throat so that's a time when moms can be like hey maybe their body knows what it's doing and if they ask for something give them food, certainly. But don't feel like you have to like shovel the crackers down their throat just because they're sick. Um, So that's kind of my two cents when it comes to kids and fasting, but 100% agree. I would never, never force that on a child ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really important is, you know, if my kids don't want to eat a meal, yeah, then don't eat a meal. Like, you know, I'm not, we are not a three meal a day, six meal a day family. And if my son walks out the door without eating anything, I'm not worried about it. I know he's going to eat at lunch. So, um, letting them learn how to trust their body is really important. And then I, I, again, I'm such a fan of verbalizing it. Like you serve them a plate of, you know, if you serve them some Brussels sprouts, you you know, have the conversation, like, you know what I just learned today that these Brussels sprouts actually help your body detoxify and just leave it there. You know, like you, like you just are training them on how to eat and the more rigid and forceful you become, the more, um, they're going to want to go the other way. Um, you can really have fun. There's so much great, so many great tools right now that we have on healthy living, just have fun with it and be playful. And then your kids are going to want to be attracted to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to make sure in the show notes, which are at wellnessmama.fm for anyone who's listening, we'll have links to your website because you have, I know, so many good resources there. Um, But I would love if we could, as we get close to the end, if you could kind of give the top three pieces of advice that you would give to a mom who maybe is overwhelmed hearing all this and realizing there might be some places where there's work to do, um, where would be the top three where you'd have them start?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is I really am a big fan of stepping stuff out. So. If you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I hadn't even thought about my microbiome, um, just pick one thing, like maybe you're gonna get your, your microbiome tested, maybe you're gonna get your child's microbiome tested, um, or maybe it's as simple as you didn't, you haven't been implementing fermented foods, so now you're gonna implement fermented foods. So so do that and, and do it for a month, like get get comfortable with it and get it ingrained into your everyday life. And then when that feels really effortless, then implement something else. Okay, now I'm going to try fasting. So maybe I'll try it for myself first. And you do that for a little while. And then maybe the next month you decide, okay, now I'm ready to try looking at my heavy metals. And I I need to get those tested. I need to detox those. Um, But really just taking it step by step by step is super important. I look at repairing your health and and putting your health just back together. it, It really like a puzzle. You know, you don't you start with the border, then you separate all all the pieces out. You put all the one colored pieces in one area and then another colored pieces in another area. And every day, you know, if you've had a a thousand piece puzzle at your kitchen table ever, you know, you you work a little bit on it here and a little bit there. That's what you should do with your health um, is just keep working these pieces and make sure that you're moving forward. So so that's my first my first thing is just be light and and. Just be light and focused about it and just take it piece by piece. Um, my second thing is that there's never a magic bullet. There's never a one thing that's going to cure everything. So I, we do in my office a multi therapeutic approach. Um, I think it's really important, um, that people, we got to get off this one, one problem, one pill paradigm. It's really broken, and it's really ruining our health. And I see a lot of people when they come over to the natural world, they do the same thing. They're like, "Oh, well, let me. I have a thyroid problem. Let me take this magic pill, uh, natural supplement because it helped my friend. Maybe it will help me." Yeah, it's it doesn't it's, it doesn't work like that. There's you usually need several things to put your health back together. And then honestly, my third thing, and you, you are such a great ex- example of this is get a community, form a tribe, uh, talk about this with your friends. Um, we have, I have, I have an online community called the resetters there and, and they share recipes and ideas and they cheer each other on. And it really makes health effortless. If you're surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded that are are teaching are implementing these things. Um, It just makes it the journey fun. And it really helps because not only, you know, not everybody has a household that's willing to have the whole household do these these techniques. So you really got to surround yourself with people that are positive and and cheering you on.
0: I love that you said that. And I think that's tremendous advice for any aspect of life health included but I mean when we look at the data that is the biggest predictor of longevity and reduced risk of all course all cause mortality is having a good social network and community that's not like on social media but your real life social network and good relationships and I think that of all things like that should be our top priority so I love that you said that and um, Dr. Mindy I know people can find you if they're in the Bay Area in person but let us know where we can find you online and in person for anyone who might want to follow up
1: Yeah, my website's got a lot of great, a lot of, um, articles on it, a lot of resources. I do Facebook lives regularly on my Dr. Mindy Pell's Facebook page. Um, I'm constantly educating people from there. And then a really good place is my resetter, uh, group. It's a closed group on Facebook. Um, and I do a lot of, you know, you'll see examples of what I eat and, uh, we are constantly sharing recipes and I have an incredible, uh, community there. So, um, so yeah, Facebook's a great place to find me. My website's a great place to find me. And, um, yeah, we work with people all over we don't just work with people in the Bay area. So, um, whatever I can do to help, I'm, I'm here to support families. Cause I think we live in a really exciting time. You know, we may live in the most toxic time, but we also live in a really exciting time where we can empower ourselves and we can really drive our own health health and our, our family's health through things like your podcast and learning and just jumping into this material. So thank you for what you're doing. It's just, it's just, it's life saving for people.
0: And you too. Thank you so much. And I know um, this is a big passion for both of us. I appreciate your time being here and all the work that you do for families. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: And thanks to all of you for listening. And I will see you next time on the Healthy Moms Podcast.